Golden Spiral Media presents Chester's Mill Gazette, an Under the Dome podcast. Hey, Dome Heads, it's time. Doug and Karen are ready to deliver the latest issue of Chester's Mill Gazette and share their thoughts on this week's episode of Under the Dome. Are you ready? Here are your hosts, Doug and Karen. Welcome and thanks for reading this issue of the Chester's Mill Gazette. I'm Society Page Editor Doug Payton. And I'm the Manners Columnist, Karen Lindsay. <laughs> we are hot off the presses with this issue for Season 2, Episode 1, Heads Will Roll. And did they? No. Well, not literally. <laughs> Thank That's you. a good thing, right? Well, I was going to say, otherwise it would have to be, uh, it would step it up to a whole new level. Yeah, no heads rolled. No heads literally rolled, but I would say figuratively. I guess. For our masthead, we have the headline for this particular issue. It's page one above the fold. Here we go. What do you think? Magnetized mom might meet maker. Yes, very nice. Good and alliteration. Thank you very much. I uh, used to write headlines for Variety. Did you? No, I used to think I might do that someday, but anyway. Okay, well, you could have. <laughs> the writer for this episode and the guest star was Stephen King himself, the man. Yay, and I think he should write all of them. I'm going to have to go back and rewatch it because I missed his uh, his cameo. Did you? I, I had and forgotten it completely by the time it came around. It was near the end of the show, wasn't it? Um, it was, I don't know, halfway-ish? Okay, maybe it was a in, little, the, in the diner there. Yeah, a little past halfway, maybe. Um, Angie serves him some coffee, and I thought to myself, hmm, I wonder what that means. <laughs> and little did I know, it means red shirt. <laughs> well, he, uh, he wrote the book, and so this time he wrote the episode, and the director was Jack Bender. So, let's get on to some of our Under the Dome news. We have some ratings information for you. Heads Will Roll got a 2.2 share in that magic 18 to 49 demographic with 9.38 million total viewers. Now, that's down by a third from the first season premiere, from the series premiere. Uh, it had a 3.3 share, so that's, a, you know, like I said, about a third. Uh, but I think it's kind of to be expected since uh, some folks likely decided not to stick around with it during the first season, got a lot of uh, a lot of press, got a lot of talk, got a lot of social media buzz and that sort of thing. And then once people saw it, they decided whether they're going to stick with it or not. So the second season, you know, a little lower. Uh, it, did that make sense to you, uh, Karen? Is that something that usually happens? Yeah, it did. I think that it, we might tick up a little bit because after it aired, it got a lot of buzz as well. Um, that's just my guess. But also... I think there's quite a bit of competition for it this summer. Like last summer, things were pretty thin. There's a lot of other shows on this summer. Um, Musketeers, Penny Dreadful. Um, even if they're watching it time delayed, people are spread a little thinner. So there might not have been something that garnered all the other viewers, but I think people are spread out more. Uh, and it won the biggest share Monday night. So that's good, but I, I do think that people are 
kind of, you know, in dribs and drabs other places. So There are a lot of new uh, summer shows that really has become the big thing to have uh, summer shows to deal with rather than just having a whole bunch of repeats. Some really new uh, and good uh, TV shows, not just the dregs that you didn't decide to use in the regular season, but uh, some really, uh, there's some that uh, Golden Spiral Media is covering this year, Extant, uh, things like that. I mean, it's just, it's really uh, it's really changed some reviewing. And uh, now it, it did better than any other show, on, you know, on Monday night through whatever the time slots, through the whole primetime area. But also it ranked as uh, the summer's most watched and highest rated scripted program and again, that magic demographic, 18 to 49. So it does have a lot of uh, competition, but it sounds like it's uh, going to hold up pretty well. Yeah, and that's why I think it's just that people were more spread out. Um, I don't think people were flocking to one particular thing. So I, I think we're safe. I just um, I think there's more stuff this summer. That's all. That's true. I wonder if this uh, bodes well for a season three. I'm guessing it does. That's early uh, for that, though. Yeah. Uh, ABC and CBS tend to um, like good, solid shows, whether they're bonanzas or not. They just like something they can count on. So if they can count on this to give them some ratings, they'll stick with it. All righty. Well, that sounds good. And that, if we're going to start a solid show, let's start talking about it. All right, let's start with your rating, Karen. What did you give this particular, out of 10, what did you give this particular episode? I'm giving it an 8.5. Um, that's a little conservative, actually. I really like this episode. And it's going to be 8.5 fake Nickelback videos. <laughs> um, I kind of thought that uh, Junior, or as he's wanting to be called James, yes. uh, as he's walking along the lakefront there with the dramatic music and the the jiggle cam walking in front of him. It really looked kind of like a Nickelback video to me. So I'm going to have to say I've never seen a Nickelback video. Okay. So I'll um, take your word for it. I got to say, you're you're probably going to get a few fist bumps in the air from people <laughs> when you say you haven't seen a Nickelback video. So I gave it uh, eight Ladies of the Lake. I didn't, uh, you know, it, it it was a good show. It was a good episode. It had some. It was a great way to start the season off. Uh, Stephen King wrote it. I was trying not to make that uh, the reason for my rating because, you know, I wanted it to stand on its own. So it introduced a lot of very interesting, uh, you know, new characters, new concepts. We'll get into that a little later. Uh, and but it was just it was good at setting those up. A lot of uh, questions asked, essentially, you know, as far as plot points go and things like that. But I'm I'm giving you know uh, giving there a little room here for uh, I will I will generally if I think a if a show is uh, an episode is mediocre I'm not afraid to give it a six you know whatever mm-hmm. um, when it starts getting below that then it's like it's really bad but yeah I, I'm I'm thinking at this point eight is a nice it's a nice solid eight. And right. uh, so we have room to grow, and it was it was well it was well done. It was well done. I have a feeling that this is probably going to be one of the best episodes of this season, and I'm not saying it's going to go downhill from here. I just Stephen King writing an episode. I mean, how much better can you get than that? Is all I'm saying. You that's know? true. And the, the other thing too is is that you can't have. Um, I remember watching Babylon Five back in the day. 
And uh, the writer for that, the showrunner, and he did a lot of the writing, J. Michael Straczynski, would say that you can't have these bang episodes every week. Right. Because then it's not a bang. It's just it's all the same energy level. You have to you have to have, you know, ups and downs. You have music that has, you know, fortes and pianos and all that stuff. And so you can't just have that. You can't keep that energy level the whole time. The writers of Orphan Black may disagree with you. <laughs> well, they've only got 10 but, shows. No, that's true. 10 episodes. Yeah. I mean, we've only got 13, so we got a little more, but still start out with a bang and grab the people and then you can kind yeah. of you can kind of ease off. Yeah, so there's going to be some ups and downs. I just think they really started off. They hit the ground running this season. Well, let's start talking about it. They we we have we usually are going to divide this into kind of uh, how the episode has been presented in terms of storylines. And uh, the A story, kind of the main storyline, is the fact that uh, we have a lot of people gathered around the gallows for the is a little bit of the end of the last season's uh, cliffhanger, where they're trying to, Jim is trying to get Junior to pull the, uh, pull the lever to have Barbie fall through and hang him. And... Uh, he decides not to, and all of a sudden, the uh, the dome, the, which has turned white, and is luminescent, I guess, and even if it was white, you know, it would be blocking out the sun, so it must be generating its own light. So, all of a sudden, it turns magnetic. <laughs> not sure exactly why that was, and then a whole bunch of people just fall down. Yep. And not everyone, which I found interesting. Exactly. Um... All the important people, and I'm doing air quotes, all the important people were still awake. Um, they all decided they were going to go to the outer reaches of the dome. Um, and I don't think Junior decided not to pull the lever. I think he was very undecided. You know, in being undecided, it wasn't just a, hey, let me pull the lever. It was, you know, uh, I don't know what to do. Really having a, a, a conscience, uh, a struggle with his conscience? A crisis of faith, as it were. Yes. In that moment. And after seeing his father at the end of last season, you know, as a kind of the dome wants you to kill your father thing, he, I think he was questioning whether it was the right thing to do. And then it was, you know, the question was taken away when he realized that the dome was getting mad, you know, this was his whole thing last season is that the dome had this personality and he took this to mean the dome was getting mad. So that was his sign. Well, it seemed like to me that with the magnetization of the dome, you know, it's trying to, sh it could be, if there's a reason for it, we could be trying to keep people from driving around. It seemed like it was disarming everybody. Um, a little selectively, I think sometimes, but uh, I think that the uh, yeah, I was trying to come up with the purpose. What is the reason that mm. something like this would happen? And as we find out later, uh, our science teacher Rebecca Pine tells us that it was happening mostly on the edges. The magnetic field did not reach uh, all the way into the center of the area. Right. So, well, I mean, that makes sense if it's the dome generating it. Yeah, but I mean, I was thinking you know, if the dome's generating it, it could be pretty darn, you know, uh, heavy, a really seriously uh, strong magnetic field. But I mean, because it's it's dragging cars along the way, you know, and which Linda found out is not the kind of thing you want to be in front of normally. Yeah, Linda found that out firsthand. Yeah, we knew that there were going to be a couple of deaths, and uh, the first one happened 
pretty close to the beginning of the episode. Yeah. Now, see, that was one that in the back of my mind, I was like, hmm, it's probably going to be her. Just because she was one of those fringe characters um, and it would have been one that we, you know, we'll miss her, but she's expendable. And I hate to say that because I like her. You know, I like Linda very much, but. And the, the, somebody was mentioning, and I forget where I heard this, but with the death of Linda, we no longer have any of the original police force. Of yeah, Chester that was Daryl. That was Daryl. Okay. Yep. Oh, that's going to, he's going to be, I, we've listened to the, um, the feedback already. And so uh, our dear leader, Daryl of Golden Spiral Media, will mention that in his uh, feedback. And my bad memory means that I will probably mention all the things he said by the time we get there. But anyway. You will hear that later on in our podcast. Yes, dear. don't be surprised. Yep. Um, yeah, I thought that was interesting, too. I didn't realize that until I heard Daryl's feedback. But yes, that is true. She was the last of the original police force. And... And that default, I guess, Big Jim is just going to be the. He's the the main, uh, you know, uh, po- politician now. His son, I think, right now is the only one wearing a uniform. Yeah. At least officially, I mean, well, yeah. semi-officially, he was deputized, but still, he's got a uniform, and he's the only one left. Well, except for Phil, who has now been deputized. given the badge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, at the end of the episode. Um, so yeah, I guess, uh, Big Jim has decided he's going to wield his power to appoint people to whatever office needs to be filled. So, and it seemed like the dome was trying to teach him a lesson because at some point he gets, uh, he goes down into his, uh, storm cellar and all of the metal down there starts, you know, rattling and trying to get sucked out at the, uh, out the opening out the door, trapping him inside, which, uh, I don't know, it had a, kind of a Wizard of Oz feel to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much. <laughs> and did you notice that that's where all his guns were? So that's evil. And that's also where they trapped Angie. Yes. So that was not a place of of haven, even though it was supposed to be. That was a place of of bad things happening. And that was also where the dome caught him. And and it was sucking all the you know all the guns out of there. It seemed like mm-hmm. it didn't happen. You would have thought that if there was going to happen, if he'd opened the door, all the guns were would have been right there already, having been sucked up there and then then thrown. But they don't happen. They don't actually get, you know, they don't start shaking and and flying out until he gets down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so and, he can watch it. Yeah, dome trying to make a point. And yep. then it, if that isn't enough, the dome clubs him over the head with Dodie. Yep. And that was and, a that uh, was a powerful a uh, couple of powerful speeches she gave. Yeah, a little gross. Yes, she, that's true. Yeah, sticks her hand in the wound. Just a reminder. <laughs> gross. And she reminds him that he's never actually sacrificed. He's always been the one in power, and so he's never had to be the one to do the sacrificing. Right. And ultimately, we're going to see later that that's what's trying to push him towards. Right. I don't know if that means you should self-sacrifice or or you should at least feel what it would be like. We'll see, like I said, a little later where uh, he never actually has to do it, but uh, it, it, it's at least getting that point across. Yeah, now, I wanted to ask you this question. When I heard that conversation, you've never known sacrifice. What does that mean for him 
in the whole losing his wife thing. I mean, that would be some sort of a sacrifice, right? I guess you'd have to know what he was thinking. Uh, you'd have to know if that was something that he was looking looking to have done at some point. Um, I don't I, you know. I don't know exactly what the we don't know the circumstances around it. I feel kind of like, you know, he had a wife and son to take care of, and I feel like perhaps. He worried a lot more about his son than he did his wife. And that maybe that was a a pointed ref, uh, reference to the fact that he didn't really sacrifice anything to save his wife. Oh, okay. I don't know. That Just could a be. thought. Especially since there were a lot of mentions of his wife in this episode. Yes, yes. And Dodie mentioned the line, the sins of the father are always visited on the son. That's a paraphrase of a uh, of a Bible passage. Uh, mm -hmm. The sins of the father are visited on the second and third generation. But for the purposes of this family, uh, it's just talking about the son. And the impression I got is, is that Junior is being corrupted by the things that Jim has been doing. Yep. And it's been pretty clear that he's, you know... Um, that he's had a very, that Junior's had a really rough upbringing, but at the same time, he seems to have turned against uh, his father, Big Jim. And maybe that's, that's you know, the sins of the father being visited, not only on the son, but back at the father, too. You know, he, he's, right. His son is turning against him. And at uh, later on in the uh, episode, he says to Angie in the diner, that he's on board with uh, with killing him. And that's, yeah, the son trying to kill his father, being on board with that sort of thing—that's got to be a a sea change. That's that, that's not something that happens uh, easily. Yep. Yeah, I think that there was a lot of hero worship too growing up, and it might have been almost a a brainwashing type thing. Uh, I think his father had a an iron hand with him, and. You know, he really wanted to be like his father, and he might have been twisted into that almost. Mm -hmm. So for him to see that his father is power-hungry and almost borderline malevolent at this point, that's a big deal. And at some point, uh, a little earlier in the episode, Barbie did tell Junior, he didn't tell it to everybody, but he did mention it to Junior in the presence of Big Jim that, he didn't do any of these things that uh, that Big Jim was accusing him of. So yep. that's another thing that's being laid on uh, Junior that, you know, your father's a liar. He was ready to kill somebody who was innocent. Right. You know, that's that's not a uh, it's not a good feeling to have a, you know about your dad. To, something to hear that he's he's willing to uh, kill innocents just to keep his own power, his own uh, influence. Yeah, he said that in front of Big Jim as well. Um, that was, I think that was on the walk to the edge of the dome with the four of them. That was, uh, Big Jim, Barbie, Junior, and, and Linda. And he may have been just out of earshot of Big Jim, but I don't think he cared whether Big Jim heard him or not. Yeah, yeah. Um, he, he just, he wants to say it straight. He wants people to know that he was not guilty of those things. Let me go back to that spot because, you know, this is where Linda had died and the, because she saves Barbie and then, you know, gets crushed by the 
the the jeep or whatever that was. Is this a dome? This was the dome death, clearly. Do you think yes. that was intentional? The dome was trying to kill her or? I don't know. I Again, she talks about sacrifice. They talk about sacrifice in this episode. And, and, and she a, talks about it later, too. I mean, yeah. the, the apparition of her uh, with a big gym as he puts the noose around his own neck. Exactly. And that was definitely, I mean, that was 100% a sacrifice to save this man who they had just been wanting to lynch. And she, she was the one that stepped up when he, they were just about, you know, Big Jim was just about to pull the lever on him. You know, he was taking the lever out of his son's hands to pull it. And Linda pulled her gun and said, no, from what I've seen of this dome, I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt. And we're going to go check this out. And so perhaps this magnetizing, this uh, knocking out of a whole bunch of people was a way to getting, getting their attention, mm -hmm. getting the attention of the people who, we, who remained conscious when it started happening. Yeah, exactly. And maybe to stop whatever was happening from getting out of hand. Um, it, it just, things had gotten out of control, um, literally out of control. Yes, yes. So, uh, and it, it didn't like the violence. I'm, I'm pretty sure that was a lot of it. Uh, when Julia says later, it wants us to stop killing. I think that was dead on. I think it, it wanted the killing to end. Although. It had a funny a, way of saying it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll give my opinion of that as well later on. So 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 that was, so it was a good use of uh, the apparition of Linda to say to uh, to the big Jim that he needs to uh, he needs to learn to sacrifice because he just uh, saw that from her. Um, I don't want to get too far ahead here because I want to bring some of these other uh, secondary stories, you know, up to speed up to the same spot here because they kind of all come together at the end. There was a situation where Julia was coming back from having dropped the egg in the lake. And all of a sudden, she gets to the shore. All of a sudden, this woman just kind of comes up, you know, as though she had been under the water. Mm -hmm. And uh, she goes and brings her in. And uh, she's trying to, uh, you know, trying to get her to find out what, who she is, what she's, uh, what she was doing there. And she brings her to this cabin uh, with a new actor a new character in our wonderful little saga mm -hmm. who's been apparently a recluse out in this uh, out in this area and this is now i said in our last episode our kind of a recap and and looking ahead that this was probably we heard it's it's junior's uncle and i was assuming big jim's brother but no it is pauline's uh brother big mm -hmm. jim's brother-in-law sam verdro i believe it's how you pronounce it Something like that, yeah. Yeah, and Virgil, so she yeah. she comes up and and brings um uh, brings this girl there, and they have a very interesting conversation. He does help her with the uh, the bullet wound that that uh, Maxine had given her uh, last season, but he talks about my sister taking her life nine years ago. So it sounds like I mean, if you don't know Pauline Rennie's maiden name, now you do. Right, Pauline Verdro. Must be kind of Cajun, yeah? No, oh, that's true. V-E-R, 
D-R-E-A-U. I looked it up. Yeah. And um, so the girl in the lake. You got a theory? I, my thought was, because at the end, you see her kind of cradling uh, Linda in her arms near the Doma as she's dead. And the only word she has in this uh, episode is sorry right mm-hmm. then. So it mm-hmm. sounds to me like this is perhaps the personification of the dome more of a more of a, a a physical manifestation because all the other manifestations we've seen Alice in this episode Dodie and um Linda were apparitions were visions that only certain people could see now this is a person everybody can see yeah. and maybe she is the like I said the personification of the consciousness or the messenger of the whoever set this dome up yeah. That's it. See, That's as far as I go. I think she came out of the egg. Yes, yes. I, I, I failed to say that, though. Yes. I mean, drop the egg, all of a sudden there's this girl there. Yeah. Yeah, but in that case, I think she's a product of the dome. Oh. I think the personification of the dome is still there. I think this is perhaps the child of the dome. Hmm. Uh, it was an egg within the dome. So the dome, almost like a womb. It gestated the egg. Julia took the egg, threw it in the water, the life-affirming water, and then it produced this girl. And during the magnetizing episodes, it the dome was making all sorts of groaning noises, and you could maybe consider those labor pains. But I, I liked... Just uh, my thought. No, I, it's, I think it's very and possible. When a baby is born, you have to kind of spank it, you know, make, clear all the stuff out in order to get it to breathe and everything. Kind of shock um, its system, yeah. Yeah, and it, it's born in liquid as well. So they had to, you know, take it out of the water, wake it up, all that stuff. I mean, the symbolism's there. All over, yeah. So... Hadn't thought about that. Just my thought. Well, it's interesting too because while she's there, or just before, or just after she leaves, I think Sam was pulling out a notebook that was Pauline's. Yep, with and drawings. He's flipping through the drawings now. This is someone who has painted pink stars with an egg, pink stars with Junior, and we see a picture. And I'm assuming I was thinking, is that Julia because she's the monarch, or is that was that with a picture? I'm not good at you know trying to guess what they look like there. Who's who looks more similar to it? But was that the uh, this new mystery girl? Do you think? I think it was probably the girl. Um, she seems to have drawn things about the dome. Quite a few, like a, a storyline of the dome. And if it's going in order of what's happening in the dome, then I would assume it's the girl. So again, that's just me. I don't know. Alrighty. Well, she finally, you know, bails out and starts running off, and, and uh, we'll get back to her in a second. Because people are trying to find her, and Angie ultimately will. But... Yeah, against <laughs> her will. Mm-hmm. If you will. <laughs> but in the meantime, while all this is happening, the uh, kids, uh, three of the kids at least, notice that the there's lots of noise and a lot of shaking at uh, Nori's 
mom's house or or or, or the house where Nori's mom is staying, and it's things Joe's start, house, right? Oh, it's Joe. That's true. It's Joe's house, yeah. and you know things are flying around, and she realizes her mom is in there, so they take off for uh, for the house, and they wind up uh, upstairs, and while getting Nori's mom out of there or trying to get her towards the door, having to deal with you know flying metal like crazy. Yeah, that was a pretty tense scene. Um, I especially liked the sound of the knives whipping through the air. I thought it was pretty cool. I'll give, I, the, I'll give a, uh, a kudos to their Foley artist. Yeah, I liked it. Uh, poor Joe. Oh, yep. Yeah, that was, like I said last week, that's going to leave a mark. I wasn't sure how he was going to get it off, but wow. That, yeah, he ew. didn't. It went straight through. Yikes. Um, that it is going to leave a mark. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just hoping it, it was all soft tissue and that didn't leave any bone fragments. I mean, I'm sure we're not going to hear anything else about it. Except that for the rest of the season, he's going to have a bandage. He's going to have a hand. bandage on his hand. Yeah. yeah. Um, if the continuity, continuity people are any good. Yes. Well, they got, uh, mom out of there. And uh, they take shelter in the school. The first time we've seen the school here in uh, on the ep- in the series. I mean, this is when we get to meet our our science teacher. It's good we have a science teacher because we got a sciency kind of uh, problem here. Yeah, I liked her. Well, we met her when Barbie tried to steal her truck. Yes, I thought that was interesting. He disarms her very quickly, and it's interesting disarming her and giving her gun back to her convinces her that he's not really a murderer. Yeah. Yeah, it was a little... I can kind of see it a little bit, but it might take a little more normally. Hey, you know, that's a good move, though. Yes. I think it's smart to, uh, you know, hey, look, I can kill you in a heartbeat, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> um, You know, that was a cool thing. And then, you know, he immediately says, look, I just wanted a car. Um, So... You know, I get it. And, you know, she says to him, well, we got to figure out what's happening with the dome and what's the deal with the magnetism. And and then they, you know, the kids and he all converge on the in the school. So that's cool. Oh, and I did want to mention one thing. When the kids are at the farmhouse. What is the deal with Nori's jewelry? Really? <laughs> she wears a ton of jewelry. Some of it's metal. None you of think. it moves. None of it moves. So I'm just putting this out there. You think? You think maybe it's maybe it's all you know, you know, uh, plastic and rubber and uh, no, 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 no. Okay, I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm trying to I'm trying to give you the put writers devil's advocate. <laughs> And Devil's Advocate trying to give the writers some way out, but yeah, yeah I'm having a tough time with that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll deal with it, but still, you'd think, at least, that she's standing right next to it. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, they all converge on the school, and, you know, the teacher's really smart. Now, I also have a question about, uh, we have, what, Sam Verdreau, and then, what's the teacher's name? Rebecca Pine. Okay, so we have Rebecca and Sam. Now, are they going to be in a quadrangle here with Julia and Barbie? Hmm. Because it seems like 
Maybe just double date. Well, I don't think <laughs> Sam and and uh, oh and Rebecca are going to end up getting together. Oh, I see. Well, I see what you're saying. I think that maybe they're setting us up to. Uh, well, I mean, when when Julia and Barbie got back together, it was immediately, you know, lip lock. But I don't know. I I noticed when Sam came back into town and and uh, he and Barbie hooked up, you know, and and he was like, "Hey, good job fixing up that wound." You know, Barbie was like, "Hmm, how did you know about that?" Mm-hmm. There was a bit of a look there. Yeah, yeah. So, and you know, Barbie was the first one to interact with the teacher as well. So. Oh, that's true, yes. Just a thought. Of our main cast, that's true. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting that, the we have again, we have a science teacher to come up with an idea to try to demagnetize the dome by creating their own huge magnet. Mm-hmm. And uh, so they wire up this fire tower that's kind of in the middle of town. It's kind of an odd place for a fire tower. Usually something like that's out in the middle of the woods where people don't normally see where the fires are starting, but anyway, right. we'll we'll go with that. I was I was wondering if they were going to use the water tower, but it's not really. It's the still water tower is not well, well. It's not full of water anymore, but it's still there. I thought. Yeah. Anyway. I don't. Was it knocked? It wasn't knocked down. No, it was hit, but not knocked down. Okay. And but 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 maybe it's too close to the edge, so we have a good one in the in the center of town, and we uh, fire that up, so, so to speak. And uh, create a big old magnet to try to, I guess, try to reverse reverse the polarity, which is, you know, kind of a nice sci-fi trope. Yeah. To try to see if we can turn this uh, turn this thing off and uh, with its with a with an opposite. Uh, so, uh, would that repel things, or I, would it just turn it off? Uh neutralize it. Yeah, but that's true. Would it? Well, if it was an opposite charge, it to, would repel it. It would. It would. No. It would. It would. It would. Uh, Pull it in, wouldn't it? If it was the same charge, then it would repel it. Okay, I don't, I, but I don't. I don't. Th- th- clearly, this wasn't. Uh, How do designed... magnets work? <laughs> this clearly is not designed as a science, an actual science project. And then to come up yeah. with the schematics and all that. But yes, yeah, like I said, reverse the polarity and everything will work fine. Blah 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 science. blah blah. But yeah. before, as we blah blah blah, I want to remember one thing about this. Uh, particular wonderful plan to demagnetize the dome we have for our listening pleasure. And now, the Barbie of the Week. We have magnetic Barbie with real metal handcuffs and copper wire. Fire tower and skidding truck sold separately. This has been the Barbie of the Week. (laughs) There you go. I think he's always magnetic. Ah, ba-doom-tsh. Yay. Now, it's interesting, too, that we were talking about that there are certain people who still stay uh, awake during uh, all of this. Uh, but the dome kind of ups the ante later on uh, with Barbie, Julia, and Big Jim staying awake as they're near the gallows again. You know, so it's just when, when this is now we've got Big Jim having his you know, existential crisis, shall we say, and has a um, uh, you know, puts the noose on his own neck. Linda, the apparition of Linda is convincing him that he needs to die. And so he is trying to get Julia, who is going to pull the lever. But yeah, she... Julia and Barbie were both standing down and he was saying, come and pull it. And Barbie's like, no, I'm not going to. And Julia said, yes, yeah, sure. Sign me uh, up. Yeah. And she was going to do it. And then she decided she wasn't going to. 
So then they cut it. They cut the cords. yeah. Well, he and he he manages. He was actually going to kick mm-hmm. that, and he did. He kicked that or uh, the lever so that it would open up. But then, fast thinking Julie with that knife she got from uh, Sam, she yep. cuts the rope, gets down to the bottom. He gets down to the bottom, and when he gets up, you know, you're thinking, well, now Big Jim's turned over a new leaf. But he gets <laughs> up, and just for a bit, you see a smirk on his face, like, hey, I'm I knew still it. alive. Yeah. You know, I, I did what the dome wanted me to do. The, I sacrificed I, myself, ha huh? I was going to do it, but I yep. got out of it. Yep, <laughs> but someone else chose my destiny. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. And I call BS. There, that was not a real wholehearted reach for that lever there, Big Jim. <laughs> well, it He could have reached that lever. It yeah, worked. of course it worked. He knew it was going to work. So <laughs> he's not fooling the dome. Uh, you think so? Yeah, I don't I don't think he's I don't think he's turned over. I think for a second there he he had, but when he realized he hadn't died, then he thought, "Well, I've got a new lease on life and you know, the leper's not going to change his spots." Yeah, I think when he put the noose around his neck, he was thinking he might be able to do it. But do you really think Julia and Barbie thought that he couldn't reach the lever? Hmm. I I think they did. I think that's why she went up to do it. I know, but it's not that far away. I don't know. That's it could, all I know. could go either way. I yeah. what I don't what I am not entirely sure about is that um the um the idea that that all those people were going to kill you know, they're ready to have Barbie hanged. And then after this, after everybody comes back, we have, they're all happy and they're all taking down the gallows and they're all, uh, and they're all hugging each other. They're all hugging and, each yeah. other. And nobody's, nobody asks the question, hey, why you know, is he still alive? Why, why is Barbie still around? None of them know have know what happened. All of the events that have been happening so far. It's the dome. It made them think that. Maybe they're not gonna they're not gonna make anybody accountable for these uh, these murders. Maybe. Mm, that's that's kind of a uh, that's kind of a long. It's shot a hand wave. Of. Yeah, I guess so. It's kind of like. But I think maybe the dome is doing something to them. That could very well be. The only thing I could think of. <laughs> devil's it's advocate. It's either that or we just can't. We have to hand wave it. Playing devil's advocate. Yeah. One other little thing we noted is that uh, we saw Junior have a dream. This is when he was uh, secondarily knocked out. He wasn't knocked out in the first group, but he was knocked out in the second group. Mm-hmm. And he sees a snow globe in his hand. He has. He grabs a snow globe in his hand and has the word zenith in it. And we'd look at the screen capture, and behind the zenith is kind of a, and a clock tower totem pole type thing, and behind that are some office building looking things. He sees that, he drops it, and the water turns to blood, you know, as he's uh, as it hits the ground. This is something you folks are going to have to uh, give us your thoughts on. What do you think that is? I have my one idea that I have is that zenith is is uh, talking about the very top of something, straight up. And so maybe there has something to do with the very top center of the dome. We've already had something that uh, was at the center on the ground, that was the egg, the mini dome and the egg, whereas at the the center of the dome on the ground. 
maybe there's something directly straight up, you know, mm-hmm. at high noon. That's well, but, but what it is, that's I have nothing to well, do. Well the building on. inside the the little uh what's it called? The snow globe is in the center pointing straight up as well. Ah. So who knows? It is the meaning of the word, Zenith. Mm-hmm. So and, and Junior uh, almost also sees his mother. Yep. And his mother talks to him, which I find interesting as well. And that's the Nickelback video is what we're talking <laughs> about here. There you are. It's so Nickelback. Um, yeah, I, I found that very incongruous, that sequence. Well, I was thinking, who would Junior see if he got knocked out, you know? And that would be something that he would want to see, you know? Maybe sure. he misses his mom. Sure. And I think he's feeling very lost as well. Um, he just lost his dad, essentially. And, uh, you know, who would he want to see? And he's realizing that his mother was not crazy, but that she killed herself, or at least this is what he thinks, mm-hmm. that she killed herself because... She was unstable. So, you know, he's just had a lot of revelations about his mother and father. So it's it's not unnatural. But I just thought the sequence is really weird here. You know, the music and the weird camera thing. And mm-hmm. But uh, we do, we have a history of snow globes. Yes, There have yes. been several incidents with snow globes. Um, and Junior... Junior gave Angie a snow globe, so there was that. Um, yeah, I just I thought it was an interesting little scene. And we've had a couple of scenes. We had a couple of scenes at the end that really, you know, one kind of a one-two punch. First one was the fact that we saw outside the dome. Now that we've seen Junior's mom, we see that she is actually alive outside the dome, still yeah. painting. Yep. And yeah. painting Junior. Yes. So it's yeah. she hasn't stopped. She has been very artistic over the past, uh, you know, who knows how long. Um, and uh, so, so, so that's that's kind of a smack in the face. Now, this is one of those things that I said last week. I want to see more of. We see a little bit of uh, outside the dome. We see the news report talking about how. The dome had become transparent again mm-hmm. because we had seen uh, seen that happen uh, inside it. So you know, and they have got. Uh, I think there was images of you know helicopters and whatnot going around. So we we get that, and she's still painting, and that was that was a uh, that was nice. I was hoping they'd linger there a little bit more, but I guess not. What, yeah. what did you get out of that? That was that no. was really interesting. That was something we mentioned is that it would be nice to see a few scenes outside the dome. And wow, right out of the gate, first episode, we see just a glimpse outside the dome. Um, I liked seeing that there was a news report that there were people outside the dome. Actually, you know, there was, you know, news about it. Of course, there would be. Yeah. Um, And one thing I noticed was the fact that the news reporter refers to the dome. Yep. One of the questions, you know, people have theorized about was, are there other domes around there? And the news reporter refers to the dome, not yeah. not the Chester's Mill Dome, not the U.S. Dome, the dome. Right. So that's the only one. And I'm guessing uh, Miss Boudreaux 
I'm assuming she's going by some other name. Well, Rennie, perhaps. Not. Oh, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, and I'll give you my theory on that. Um, I think she realizes what's happening. I don't think she knows exactly what's going to happen, but she knows about it because she has been painting it. Um, Since before it happened. Yes, true. Right. So she's worried about Junior, and I think she may have painted past this. And if she's worried about Junior, she may have some precognition of what's going to happen. Um, you know, she specifically mentioned Junior, so we need to keep an eye on that. And the fact that her brother has some of her sketchbooks, um, I think her brother knows that or thinks that she's dead as well. So now here's what I think happened, and this will just be my theory. Um, I think she was... Uh, maybe being abused by Big Jim. Hmm. Hit, perhaps. And decided she needed to get out of that relationship and the only way to do so was to disappear. And she had to disappear from everyone. So that's what she did. She and ran why away. she wouldn't keep her uh, maiden name or married Correct. name. Exactly. I think she is someone else. Um, so that's my theory on it. And I think there is no way she's going to come forward with any information because number one, they're going to think she's crazy. And number two, she doesn't want to out herself. So we might see some struggling. Um, she may have some information that she has thought or drawn or whatever about the dome that she thinks might be valuable to the outside world, but she doesn't want to give it up because she doesn't want to out herself. So this is one of those questions they are asking, and it'll be or the, the questions we have, what is actually going on here? Right. And hopefully we get an answer sometime this season. Maybe. But maybe more, yeah, maybe more from outside the dome. I would, I would love to see that. Yeah. So that's just a theory of mine. And the second punch of the one-two punch was Angie going into the school following our mystery gal. Mm. And she sees her, you know, run through a, a door and down the hall. So she's walking to follow her. But at one point, she stops and notices an open locker. So she looks at it, looks inside it. I think she's a little shocked about that. When she turns back, all we see is her scream. A spear, I guess, is what it was. Something. Come up and then... Uh, we don't see it, but uh, clearly the blood is uh, on the wall, as well as a, another bloody handprint. We're starting another, starting a season with another bloody handprint on something. Yep. And uh, so she um, she dies in this one, and it's uh, the question is: Is it the mystery girl, or was there really somebody else there to uh, to be to to kill her? Um, I don't think. I think the mystery girl is too easy. Um, some other suspects might be Junior, but again, I think he was, I think he truly was on board with the four hands, uh, so that I don't think he would do that. So I'm, I'm racking my brain here trying to think who else might, might want to kill her specifically, or was she just in the wrong place at the wrong time? Yeah, I don't know. Um, it may have had something to do with what was in that locker. Maybe. All right, uh -huh. well, that, 
That brings us to uh, another section of our uh, our paper here. This is the obituary section. And here we are going to be letting you know all the people who died in a particular episode. Uh, we There are going to be maybe some uh, no-name deaths that are not really... Uh, not really. We don't really know too much about them, or uh, that you know. For example, if there's riots, there may be deaths off screen we don't see. But we do know of a couple, of course. Here we want to pay tribute to Sheriff Linda, who who finally stood up to Big Jim uh, just before she died. She stood up to him at the gallows. Now, standing up to Big Jim, as Dodie can uh, attest to, is never really a good sign for your life. Uh, even though Big Jim himself didn't kill her, would you call this? We I think we talked this about this before. You consider this a dome death? Is that correct? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think it solidified the sacrifice theme of this episode. It was probably necessary to to make that picture very clear to Jim. I think so. Alrighty, and of course Angie McAllister died in the in the school, looking in looking in someone else's locker. Don't do that. It's a bad move. Yeah. Another never an, never look in a dark locker. <laughs> Don't open the locker. Yeah. Now, here's a question, is this a dome death or is this well, we don't really we don't know who did it and and depending on who it was, it could or might not be. Yeah, if it's the girl, it's a dome death. Um if it's not the girl, then no. I don't think so. Um if it goes along if if the show is going along the theme of rebirth, and and youth, then I don't think it's a dome death because you know she's one of the four hands. Yes. Now there's only three. Yeah, but they don't need to open that dome anymore, no. so I don't think she's needed anymore. No, but I, I do think that the dome wanted her around, so I don't think the dome would kill her. So I, I don't think the else. dome, right? I don't think the dome would want her death. And that's going to give us a, a nice little question to ask throughout the uh, season. Who shot Jr.? I'm, I'm sorry, who killed Angie McAllister? <laughs> well, I unless they the, tell us. I, well, I think they're going to string us along for a little while. Yeah, probably. It's interesting. I read where uh, Britt Robertson, who plays Angie, uh, she was pleasantly surprised to learn that her character would survive for at least the season two premiere. She only signed on for 10 episodes, and so she assumed she'd die in episode 10. Um, but uh, she got to stay around a little longer. She said it was a great way to go out, especially after Stephen King wrote the episode. So, yeah. Uh, so that was a, a nice little uh, a nice little bonus for Britt Robertson as Angie McAllister, who no longer is. Yes, she died very early on in the book. So, oh, I was I was surprised to see her last till the second season as well. So she got a new lease on life. Junior kills her right away. Oh, real? Oh, okay. Wow. Yeah. So. Okay, we're going to move on to listener feedback. We actually have some this week. I, we thank you for handing it in, and now let's get to that. Our first bit of feedback is from, uh, I would call him our editor-in-chief. This is Daryl Darnell. He's, uh, he runs Golden Spiral Media, and he's a watcher of Under the Dome, and here's what he had to say. Hey, Karen and Doug, this is Daryl from Golden Spiral Media. Hey, you know, I was really surprised and happy with the season two premiere. Uh, I was very critical of Under the Dome season one 
and a few podcasts that I did. And, you know, season two is off to a really good start. I'm glad that Big Jim seems to have been led down a path that has forced him to have a change of heart. Although we'll see how long that will last. Hopefully it lasts for ever. <laughs> uh, I love the introduction of the new characters and it seems like the Rennie family is indeed very, very attached to what's going on here with the dome. Now that the uncle and the mom and of course, junior have significant uh, involvement or, or ties in somehow uh, to the uh, to the pink stars and and that sort of thing. So really curious to see how that's going to go. Uh, as far as the death of the two characters, I was surprised by that. I knew that there were two characters that were supposed to die. The two that they chose was surprising to me and a little bit disappointed in both cases, actually. But with the addition of new characters, perhaps we won't even miss them. I don't know. I think what's really interesting, though, is now I believe all of the original police force has been killed and that is a little bit scary so thanks for the great job on the podcast and looking forward to next week uh thanks daryl that was a great uh, little thought about uh, the only the, the only remaining member of the original police force dying i had that same thought myself earlier in this episode <laughs> <laughs> you sure did i don't know where it came up with it just comes to me these things it just poof great minds think alike yeah uh, he was uh, kind of that uh, wasn't too uh, too on board with the uh, the loss of Angie and Linda, and I can uh, I can see that it's a, it's a, it's you know these are these are characters as in the case of Linda especially there there were some issues with her we in and uh, when we were doing our thing for TV talk we kind of talked about that too she was not quite she was a little too trusting of Big Jim and 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 there was some history that we may not have known about but. Uh, but yeah, uh, we're gonna miss uh, some of these characters, and uh, but the new ones may make up for them. Yeah, I, I, sometimes Linda was a little too gullible, I thought, but hey, that's just me. Alrighty, and we have a email. We get to, well, it was an email. It was a, she went to the feedback form. Barb went to our feedback form at goldenspiralmedia.com/feedback. Where you can, you know, write your feedback. You can upload an audio file. You can use the SpeakPipe widget to record something right there on the website with your computer. And here's what she has to say. Now, Barb, you didn't give us a a, a which position you'd like. So um, maybe in the next time you call, or next time you write, or the next time whatever, you can uh, you can give us like what position at the newspaper you'd like, and we'll call you by that, you know, in the future. Uh, she says, hello, Karen and Doug. Nice to have you podcasting for UTD on GSM. <laughs> a little acronym happy. Yeah, well, that's you know, that, that's nice. Cool. We, 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 can't, we call this uh, CMG, Chester's Mill Gazette. So <laughs> right. CMG for UTD on GSM. <laughs> OMG. <like> anyway. <laughs> LOL. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, she says, I almost gave up on this show last year because it devolved into a level of silliness, in my opinion, that was no longer fun to watch. And that's IMO, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> IMHO, in my humble opinion. Yeah, that's right. I feel as if we have had a time reset, and the characters seem to be changing. These are the things that will keep me watching, at least for a bit. And Barb, I would say, yes, I, I, uh, I do agree with that. I think we're starting to see some of that character development we didn't quite get as much of in Season 1. Uh, she says, bye-bye, Angie. No more dysfunctional relationship with Junior that really required a Dr. Phil intervention. Boy, that would have been a, an interesting Dr. Phil episode. 
Mm. Uh, she, she says, bye-bye, Linda. She was making the movie Dumb and Dumber look good. May she rest in peace. Do you, do you agree with that assessment? Not not that bad, but as I said, gullibility, yes. The gullibility factor was way up there. All I didn't think she was stupid, but gullible, yes. Sherry Springfield as Crazy Mama. I liked her from the very old ER days. And this, we're talking yep. about the actress who plays Mama Rennie at this point. Yeah. It's Stringfield, but that's okay, Barb. Oh, I get it. I got you. Um, yeah. She was great on ER. Um, I also watched ER in the old days as well. It's nice to see her back on something. I haven't seen her since. So... Yeah, it's, I think she's going to be a good addition. My wife watch this, watches the Hallmark Channel a lot, and I think I've seen her on a few things there. Oh, cool. Uh, new eye candy, as Karen calls it, although he may be another loose screw from the Remy tree, and that's going to be Sam. And uh, he looks to have his screws a little tighter. What do you think? Yeah, he does so far. Um, and he's okay as far as eye candy goes. I, I don't know that he's my eye candy type. Uh, he's not quite as scruffy as I like him. Ah, okay. I like a little scruff. <laughs> Barb says, things that give me pause. The magnetic dome forgot to take the watches off wrists. Considering that it was strong enough to pull trucks and houses, a lowly wristband should have been puppy chow. It's those sloppy little misses that are annoying, and you kind See, of talked about that with the... I had uh, that same thought with the jewelry, yes. The, jewelry, the minute yeah. I saw it, yeah. The yeah, if it can pull a nail out of the wall... yes. It definitely should have got jewelry. Yeah, knives out of the little block is one thing, but nails out of the wall, yes. Yeah. The town has amnesia. They were going to lynch Barbie, but now all is forgotten and forgiven. I yeah. think the dome actually pulled some brain cells along with the metal objects. Yep. And again, my theory is that the dome is changing their minds, is manipulating them a little yeah. bit. But again, it's a hand wave, so. <laughs> the dome wants to stop killing? Um, where was it last season? Or has our AI been learning and now hatched Creepy Lake Chick from its egg to save all of Domedom? Yeah, I think, it, here's my opinion, it needed those deaths last season and now it's grinding to a halt. Creepy Lake Chick, I like that. Yeah, she is a Creepy Lake Chick, but I think she's a Creepy Lake Egg Chick. <laughs> That's what I want to call her. Barb continues, questions and more questions. Okay, it's still popcorn, and as long as we have more thinking adults and less teenage angst, I'll stick with the ride for a bit. This is Barb signing out and watching to make sure Stephen King doesn't pour me a cup of coffee. Red shirt! Yep. Yep, yep, yep. Yes, Angie uh, was the... Uh, I, I don't know if that was supposed to be a foreshadowing. You're, you're pouring coffee for Stephen King? Do you really want to do that? Yeah. Um, it, it was foreshadowing. I think, you know, that she interacted with Stephen King. Yeah. Which I guess I should worry about since I've actually spoken to the man. Ooh. So. Folks will be uh, interviewing for uh, potential replacements for Karen in the future, so let us know. <laughs> it's been a long time. It's been like 20 years. Oh, okay. Well. Unless it's a delayed reaction. Very delayed. Yeah. Well, if you have feedback for us, uh, we are listening to your stuff uh, anytime through Wednesday at 6 p.m. We're going to normally record this Wednesday evening, and so if you can get it to us before then, it's more than likely going to make it into the show. You can call 304-837-2278. That is the standard Golden Spiral Media hotline. I was trying to find uh, words or that sort of thing on a website that shows you, here's my phone number. What words can we make? So here we go. 
30 hues, H-U-E-S, like colors, 30 hues CBS 8. Just rolls right off the tongue. It certainly does. Yes. So call that number or goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback. And as I mentioned, you can type in text or upload an audio file or record right from your computer all at that page on SpeakPipe. On Twitter, I am at Doug Payton, D-O-U-G-P-A-Y-T-O-N. She is Alaveria, A-L-E-V-E-R-I-A. And the hashtag that we're going to be using and we're going to be monitoring for any uh, messages you want to send to us is hashtag UTD, like under the dome, UTD Gazette, one Z, two Ts. Or you can become a fan of Golden Spiral Media on Facebook, and we will see things over there as well. So you almost have to avoid us to not be able to get feedback to us. It's it's That's that right. simple. Yep. And, uh, you know, if you want to be a freelancer, just choose any of those ways to get in contact with us, and we will give you your own column. That's right. Just give us, tell us what uh, what position you're applying for, okay? That's right. All righty. We have some spoilers now. Now that we've gotten past all this information here, this is the spoiler section. If you don't want to hear anything about what might be coming in the future, this is the time to shut us off. We thank you for listening. We thank you for reading this episode of the Chester's Mill Gazette. But right now we're going to turn a few pages and make our way to the spoiler section. All right, Karen, this is your this is your area of expertise. My purview, as it were. Yes. Um, yeah, so episode two is called Infestation. Um, Barbie risks his life to help Rebecca save the Chester's Mill food supply when she discovers an infestation of butterfly eggs on the town's crops. Butterflies now, again. Yeah, and they are monarch butterflies. And I watched the snake peaks. Um, there's an extended sneak peek, and... It's really just the first sneak peek with a couple added scenes on it. Um, so the first sneak peek is Phil, Big Jim, and Barbie are, um, I, it looks like they're in the diner. And James, as he wants to be called now, and that's Junior, um, walks in. He's very shaken, and he says, Angie's dead. They go to the crime scene, and they're, you know, investigating because Phil's the new sheriff. And... Uh, Barbie very sarcastically asks Big Jim if he's going to accuse him of this murder. Is this where you're going to accuse me of this murder? And uh, Big Jim very begrudgingly admits, well, we've both done things we're not proud of, but I don't think either of us would do this. Um, And now in the extended one, um, there's a little side cut where the teacher tells Big Jim that they don't have unlimited resources There's another quick cut where Joe confronts the egg girl who is behind bars about Angie's death. Uh, So I'm assuming they find out she was at the crime scene and they put her in jail. And this is Jim goes, I mean, Joe goes to jail. He's got a gun Um, and junior. And it looks like it's where he goes to inform them about Angie's death. Junior accuses his dad of killing her. So there's those little scenes in there, too. He really has turned that corner, accusing his dad right off the bat. Yeah, before they even go, um, he's just he just assumes that he does it. Um, and then there's a second sneak peek where Joe and Nori uh, go for a walk in the woods. And it's a little, they are trying to get away from all the, all the craziness in town. I can't say as I blame them. Um, she almost trips over some poison ivy. And he calls her a city girl. 
and uprights her a little bit. And of course he swoops in for the kiss. Um, and as they're kissing, it looks like leaves are raining down on them, but it's really um, dead butterflies. Ooh. And it is thousands of dead butterflies. That would kill the buzz. It doesn't really, though. I mean, they just kind of take note of the fact that it's dead butterflies. And they're flat. They look like leaves. Um, he remarks that it's the end of their life cycle. And this is where I kind of perked up because, again, it's the life and death thing. And um, he says, well, you know, it, it's natural. They, that means they've laid their eggs and it's the end of their life cycle. And he's very matter of fact about it. And then um, they find the egg girl laying unconscious not far from them in the forest. So I thought those were very interesting. Yeah, yeah. Definitely looks like it's going to be a, a, a great, I'm hoping, a great season. Uh, we've got some good uh, good things coming up. And like I said, we're, we're keeping with some of the, um, with some of the uh, story elements that we've had before. The monarch butterflies, they were on the outside. There was one on the inside. I mean, the, the, the monarch will be crowned. It's all, they're, they're keeping that, that going. And this kind of uh, speaks to the fact that the, uh, the showrunner from the first season has given the second season guys, you know, his notes and they kind of spec it all out. So that's, that's sounding good. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good about this. Yeah, it definitely has a thread running through it. Um, and this whole life cycle thing, I mean, I, I really do I see the thread running through it. it. It doesn't seem to be going off course. And I, I do like that. Um, I also like that it's it, it's hitting us over the head, but it's not so bad that I'm like, oh, again with the life cycle thing. I mean, it, it, it's just intriguing enough for me to say, well, where are they going to throw in hints again? I, I, I mean, the be, whole. I'll be honest, if you hadn't brought that up to me, I might have to be hit over the head with it. Yeah, the baby thing. Is that the. That, the water, you know, uh, yeah. with the new girl coming up out of the water, the, all of that. Yeah. You know, well, like I said, I'm the, ooh, pink stars, and you're the literary yeah. person. Well, it, it ha a lot of it has to do with the fact that I'm a Farscape fan, and Farscape has trained me to watch for Easter eggs and things like that, and hidden meanings, symbology, uh, subtext. So uh, it's just, I've just been trained to watch for things like that. It's, it's nothing supernatural. Hopefully I can be taught. Okay, um, I will. I will take you under my wing, Grasshopper. Um, so I, other than that, I do have a couple other titles. I have some other stuff, but I'm going to save it for other podcasts. Yeah, I don't we don't want to show all ahead. our cards just yet. That's right. But I do have titles, so let me give you those. Um, the next episode, episode three, is Force Majeure. Yeah, I think that's right. And it's Latin for superior force, as you have written down. I did not come up with that. Google is my friend. <laughs> um, episode four is Revelation. Um, I don't have titles for five or six, but episode seven is Going Home, which I find interesting for episode seven. Which is kind of, you know, the mid the middle of the season. It's the big ten pole in the middle. You know, you've got six yeah. in front, six in back, and in the middle is something called Going Home. I wonder if that has something to do with uh, Mrs. Rennie. Yeah, that's the first thought I had as well. So I'm guessing that's not going to be someone penetrating the dome in, in some way, but it may have something to do with her. That would be cool. Yeah, who knows? But that's what I have for us so far. All righty, well, 
thanks for hanging in here. If through the spoiler section and listening to uh, all of this stuff, now then now you know what's coming up. And thanks again for reading our latest issue of the Chester's Mill Gazette. I'm Doug, and I'm keeping all my eggs in one lake. And I'm Karen, who is super psyched to have Barbie with his neck intact. Chester's Mill Gazette is presented by Golden Spiral Media at goldenspiralmedia.com.